Hello, my name is Scott Bradley and this is Scott Scott Podcast and today I'm joined by Chris Toner. Chris, how are we? Good that Celtic aren't playing full tomorrow, but uh, yeah. Oh, I can imagine, mate. <laughs> so today is the second edition of Scott Score Soccer Saturday. Uh, Chris, it's half time right now. Can you run down the scores from the Scottish Premiership? Yep. Um, Hamilton Academical now and Kilmarnock now. Livingston now, Dundee United now, Motherwell now, Hibernia now, and St Mirren won, Aberdeen won. So Chris, while the games are on, let's uh, talk some football. Celtic, <laughs> something I know that you're dreading. It's a, a current theme on uh, Scott Scott over the last few weeks, talking about how bad Celtic are. And there's been no improvement whatsoever, things have gotten worse. Celtic crashed out of the Europa League last week and a few days later crashed out of the League Cup losing 2-0 to Ross County at home Chris things just get worse and worse No and the stats are showing it I think that's what we've only won twice in our last 11 games the last 5 games 17 goals conceded so the numbers that there's a new one thrown up every week after our latest game and it it just makes for painful reading every time the next bad start comes up. Yeah, like, see the Ross County game? I could not believe how bad Celtic were. I'm sure I said on the pod last week, um, going into that Ross County game, I'm like, right, yeah, Celtic are surely got to do this. Like, they're playing Ross County at home. I know Celtic are not in good form right now, but they have enough to see off Ross County. <laughs> and they clearly didn't. Ross County were very well organised took their chances well, and Celtic just looked completely lost and they had no no ideas whatsoever. And the scenes after the game, Chris, at Parkhead with the Celtic fans uh, went up to Parkhead and tried to basically break into the stadium and two police officers were hurt during these protests um, and I thought that was utterly shameful and embarrassing uh, from the Celtic fans. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, very embarrassing, very ugly scenes. Um, got no place in football, those kinds of scenes. Um, obviously, I can understand um, motions running high in that, um, bad run of results, um, very easy to blame Neil Lennon for that. Um, so, yeah, you can understand the frustration and the anger, but absolutely no excuses whatsoever to resort to that kind of behaviour at any time, let alone in a global pandemic where, you know. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, the the scenes were really embarrassing, so they were, and I think everyone was thinking after the Ross County game, Chris, that, right, that's got to be it for Neil Lennon. Why do you think he wasn't sacked? Do you think it might be because... The board were not going to give in to the mob rule. If you know what I'm saying, like the Celtic fans went up to Parkhead. Uh, they were a disgrace, to say the least. Uh, they were violent. Um, and it was just disgusting to see. And they, they were obviously chatting some negative things about Neil Lennon. Like they were saying stuff like Lennon, uh, GTF, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, don't want to swear. <laughs> but that's, I think, like, even though things are not going well for Neil, Neil Lennon whatsoever, right? And he is lucky being a job. He's meant to be seen as a club legend uh, at Celtic and he's and Celtic fans are meant to adore the guy. Fair enough if we don't want him as manager, but I think 
some of the abuse he's been getting has been very surprising to say the least because I said it on the pod last week, Chris. Um, when Alan McCoy is Rangers manager, the majority of fans wanted him going, but we never started protests and gave the guy abuse. Uh, gave the guy abuse, you know, like we all knew that he was not the right guy, um, and when he was uh, let go or put in garden leave, however <laughs> you want to like say how it was, you know. Um, Rangers fans were happy, but they weren't like, like even as I said, like they weren't, they were like gutty that didn't work out for them, you know. Um, but that's the thing, though. I think that's the difference between Rangers and Celtic fans right now, Chris, is that they're they're treating Neil Lennon as if he is not one of them. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's um, actually quite a toxic attitude for a lot of the Celtic fans have, as you pointed out. I think there's a difference between like not wanting his manager and then what the mob as we'll call them were doing at Parkhead on Sunday night calling for his head and shouting Lennon GTF and obviously Lennon was inside the stadium giving his post-match press conference and he could actually hear that from within the stadium so obviously it's not going to do Lennon the world a good hearing that I think See these dafties that went up to Celtic Park right what was like as I said, their intention was to get in, right? But obviously they were never going to get in. But like, if see in an imaginary universe, right? You say they'd actually got in, right? What was their intention? What were they going to do? Like smash up Celtic Park? <laughs> no, it's their own stadium. But um, obviously, as shocking, I don't think the players. Um, obviously, yeah. Uh, seen the video and I know other players were told Callum McGregor was giving his post-match press conference and a woman came in obviously called official and saying Callum you need to leave for your own safety oh really so so see when this was all going on right were the Celtic players and staff still inside Parkhead yeah they were still inside Parkhead they were doing their media obligations and um, I've actually as I said just they're just now I've seen the video of Cal McGregor was giving his post match presser and the women obviously worked with the compliment and says, Yeah, Cal, you need to get going for your own safety basically because yeah, so, that lot would try. Yeah, so see when all this was going on, right? Um when that woman went up to Cal McGregor and told him what was going on and he had to leave. So as soon as McGregor got told that, the Celtic players uh, left the stadium through a different route. Uh, no, um, one of the videos I seen on Twitter because I'm, Sunday night I was honestly glued to Twitter. It was too good not to keep up with. Um, I seen a cortege of cars leaving the stadium under police escort, um, and obviously the camera angle I saw was from view of a fan in the crowd. Um, they were all get all the players were all getting thinking and that. Um, it was all blocked off by like police fans and police officers and that so fans wouldn't be able to try and storm the police and get to the players' cars like see these kind of protests I, I can understand like Celtic fans being frustrated and angry with the way Celtic are playing currently but going up to Parkhead and protesting like that is just like pathetic and it just shows you like the some of the some of the Celtic fans out there are really self-entitled like like, I don't think they understand what it's like to go through a bad rut supporting a team, you know, and uh, you and I said in the Scott Score chat, I think, the other day, like, 
some of these uh, Celtic fans probably uh, started supporting Celtic when Rangers were in the lower leagues, you know, and they'd never actually experienced failure, you know, and it's, yeah, it's pretty pathetic, to say the least. Yeah, it's a good job they didn't grow up in, what, the late 80s and early 90s during the Rangers nine row dominance. I don't know how they would have coped. Yeah, um, I know. So, I'm, I'm obviously a bit, a bit older than yourself, Scott, but um, I'm too young to remember the experience, like, the really dark days of Celtic, um, but I do know what it's like to not be on a sport and a constantly winning team. I've, you know, I've experienced um, some very good Rangers sides that dominated Celtic for a couple of years, so I, I don't know how to take it in a way, whereas these kids don't. Yeah, I know. And the game against Sparta Prague last week, Chris, my God. That was something else. Losing 4-1 twice to a team like Sparta Prague, who their only points in the group have came from beating Celtic. Yeah, I'll quickly touch on that because of some great news from the Aberdeen game. Lewis Ferguson's just been sent off for a second book of offence. Oh, and it's uh, still one each in that game, isn't it? Still one each, yeah. But um, back to Celtic, yeah, I was going to say about that. Um, I'd love to know what odds you would have got on Celtic losing 4-1 home and away to Sparta Prague. Yeah, I know. Like it's madness, and it seems like Celtic have a. I know they talk, the team is currently in crisis right now, but especially in defence and in the with the goalkeeping situation, like Lennon doesn't know who his number one is. He's chopping and changing between Scott Bain and Barkas, and see currently right now on form, both of them are as bad as each other. Yeah. Um, well, it was actually the. Sparta Prague game that Scott Bain got dropped as a result of like the end of the Sparta Prague game like, he's far from a Manuel Neuer he came out the yeah. box exactly was Manuel Neuer but he's let's face it he's not oh um, I know that, 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 like, see at that point um, I think at that point he knew the game's already gone right so it was going out and I, he just made him look, he made himself look like a complete dafty doing that like I see if I no wonder he got dropped. If I was Lennon, I would be fuming at that. You know, like it was like because he easily just could have like stayed in his like stayed in his line, and it maybe potentially got a save out of it. But no, he just thought you know what, effort. I'm going to come out there, come out my box, and and then I'm going to act like Manuel Neuer, and it completely backfired, and it ended up finishing four one, and then Celtic crashing out of Europe. Um, but it has to be said, Chris. Um. That was, I think, would you say this is one of Celtic's most embarrassing European campaigns? Yeah, I don't remember it so bad, and it can't, can't be forgotten the fact we went into the draw, a top CD team, and now we're, we were eliminated after four games. Con- complete contrast to the year before where we beat Lazio home and away, and we were through after four games. Yeah, and Celtic have only got one point uh, out of five games in this group, right? And when I think you said um, when the group was drawn that you fancied your chances of getting out of the group and I thought Celtic would probably get out of this group and it's been a complete shock to everybody, you know, uh, how bad this European campaign has went. So it has. And 
Yeah, see when Celtic took the lead through Edward, were you thinking, right, here we go, this could this could be something here, we can go on and try and salvage our uh, chances of getting out of the group? Yeah, that, and then it was all thrown back, blowing up at my face. Yeah, and some of the defending, Chris, my God, like as we were, you were saying earlier on, mate, 17 goals conceded in five games. That is staggering, man. And... Like, see, last season, the Celtic defence at times was quite organised through the majority of the season. But what has happened to it this year, mate, is it's a complete contrast. So it is, like, they just look so disjointed. Like, they're not organised at all. Ayer looks a shell of his former style. Like, remember this guy was getting linked to the bloody EC Milan at one point? Well, <laughs> no, the EC Milan have played them twice now, and I think they'll have been able to fully scout and evaluate them and they'll be like, no thanks. Uh, yeah, I think that's completely out the window, man, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, last Thursday was, uh, we seen a heel turn, Chris, so we did, from Chris Sutton. Uh, if anyone doesn't know what a heel turn is in wrestling terminology, it's when they become a bad guy, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Uh, well, Chris Sutton turned his back on his old pal Neil Lennon and said that it's going to be very tough for Neil Lennon to see this out, and he has to go. Uh, did that surprise you at all? Because, you know, obviously, you know, Sutton and Lennon are good pals, and Lennon's got uh, some of these pals in the media who are defending him to the help, if you know what I'm saying. So, did that come as a shock? Well, what Chris Sutton is uh, very critical. He doesn't shy away from it. Um, I remember um, the... Sparta Prague game, the home defeat 4 1. He didn't shy away from how he felt about the performance and the players. Um, stopped short, I really like going after Neil Lennon then, but um, the following next game, he just completely threw him under the bus, and I was a bit taken aback. Yeah, he, he made some interesting comments the other day, um, right after the Eastern Land defeat, where uh, Eastern Land beat Celtic 4 2 at the San Siro. Um, he, do you know what, what Lennon said after the, the Milan defeat he came out and he was like um, the, I thought the attack at times tonight was breathtaking I thought the defending was superb and then something was like no one's believing that mate <laughs> well for our goals getting in here 1-0 Livingston Scott Pittman and Hibernian 1-0 up against Motherwell Martin Boyle oofed I Hibernian seem to be flying right now. I tipped them to finish further at the start of the season, you know. And did you know Hibernian have, uh, the, are the only team in the Premiership, uh, if my memory serves me correct, correctly, that have won the most away games in the league? Interesting. Yeah, but, um, yeah, so going back to what I was saying there about Neil Lennon's post-match interview and Sutton saying no one believes that, uh, what what's your take on that? Ah, uh, yeah. I... Didn't really see it myself, but um, yeah, I did see Lennon. There was like some good stuff to take from it. And in, in the grand scheme, I think it's still like we lost 4 2 and blew a two goal lead. Yeah. And see when Celtic took the lead, um, pardon me, uh, when Celtic took the lead, I was like, okay, here we go. Um, that's surely this can't last. And then so, uh, uh, Rogage made obviously 1 0. Then shortly after that, Edward scored a uh, nice wee chip from him to dump it over the keeper. And it was 2-0 and I was like, no way here. No, surely not, right? And then I was thinking, if Celtic go on and win this, right, 
if I was a Celtic fan, I would be kicking myself, right? I would be raging because Celtic didn't turn up for the first four games, right? Celtic got packed out of Europe after the fourth game and then they turn up against East Milan away from home and a pointless game. <laughs> and then obviously that didn't last very long as East Milan uh, made it two each and then they went on to win the game 4-2. Um, I would say that's... It, there's really not a great deal of positives to take from it. Uh, maybe the, the probably the best positive is that it's probably the best Celtic have played in a while, <laughs> if that's anything. Um, but defensively, they were still shocking. Like, like El Hamid, like, and see for uh, one of Eastern Land's goals, he just looked so weak. Like, he just didn't, he didn't really put in much of a challenge for it. And, like the, the their defense was just going through the motions. Like they, they like they, I don't know. They just, they just look like they're, they're, there's no inspiration in that team whatsoever. When Celtic Celtic can see the goal, the the players look like they just feel sorry for themselves, and that's when you're expecting your captain to come out and motivate the boys. Same goes in the manager. Like you're expecting them to come out and galvanise the team you're not seeing that anymore in a Celtic team I, at all like when anytime you look at Neil Lennon on the dugout mate like in the dugout sorry anytime you look at him in the dugout even when Celtic won 2-0 he just looked depressed you know and when Eastland scored nothing from him nothing from Brown like it's I don't know like this Celtic team just really needs to get a grip and stop thinking things are going to come good without actually putting in the work, you know. As bad as Neil Lennon is right now, mate, the players need to have a real good look at themselves because they're not doing him any favours whatsoever. And Brown can come out all he likes and say, yeah, we need to start playing for the manager, Neil Lennon's the right guy. Prove it then, you know. Like, uh, actions speak louder than words. And what Brown and the Celtic players are coming out and saying, it's just, it's all empty words that mean nothing. So just PR. Yeah. yeah, they all just like he just says, um, they need to come out and prove it. Anytime we go behind or whatever, it's like we look out ideas and it's like do we he's not know how to get a response. Yeah, I know. And that is that just uh, backs up my point even uh, more. See when County made it two 0 against you, right? I was just looking at the Celtic players no urgency to get the ball and be like, right, okay, let's try and get back in this. None of that. They were all, oh, woe is me. Like, all deflated. Already accepting the fact they're uh, going out the League Cup to Ross County. No disrespect, but bloody Ross County at home. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just, it's really, really embarrassing, you know? And then you look at the the other side of Glasgow at Rangers, mate, like... It's like a complete contrast night and day where obviously on Thursday night we qualified for the Europa League last 32 for the second year in a row which is a fantastic achievement mate, considering where we came from uh, <laughs> three years ago uh, where we couldn't even get past progress in the first round now we've qualified for, qualified for the last 32 second year in a row with one game left to uh, to play you know and we've got every chance to finish top of the group as well. Yeah, um, obviously head-to-head goes. He's up on the away goals at the moment from Benfica. That's another 
things can I say brag about um, not losing home or away to a still quality side like Benfica. Yeah, exactly. And um, like yeah, just even uh, the other week as well when we played Benfica and we drew again to each. It like this one, I was I was a wee bit like, oh, we should have seen that out again. But people are forgetting how quality Benfica are. Like they are a top top side. Last year, mate, they spent a well, I think in the summer, sorry, uh, they spent a hundred million pounds on their squad, right? They they spent the foot. They are the fourth biggest spenders in Europe. They're a Champions League side. They should not be in the Europa League, and for two games. We managed to get two points against them, and that is some achievement in itself, you know. And see the fact that we came away from both games disappointed we didn't win, just shows you how high the standards are now, and how like how much uh, this team is delivering for the fans and the club. Yeah, yeah, it says a lot. Um, I can remember. Um... Obviously, the second game, the one positive Celtic we've had out this European campaign, how we were winning away in France and then only came away with the point. So, yeah, similar kind of feelings you must have felt. But, um, yeah, that's... No, it's something, mate, it really is. And, like, you see even, uh, like, in that game against Benfica, um when we were worried, like, see, uh, when Ruth scored that screamer, I thought, right, surely, surely this is it. And then when they got the equaliser, it was our own goal from Tav. And uh, we could have done better defensively with it. Um, there was nothing Tav could do about it, you know. And uh, it just came off his knee when uh, the ball got played into the box. Um, yeah, it was, it was a weird one. Uh, so it was, but the, honestly, like... When they scored their second to equalise, at that moment, I was like, right, that was some goal. Like, it was a brilliant, brilliant goal from uh, Benfica. So it was, it was like, great passing, um, like, really quick, short passing as well. And it was, a, it was it was a screamer, to say the least. And that just showed you, like, how quality they are and they should be in the Champions League. And they will be next year, that's for sure. And they hopefully will be joining them. <laughs> Yeah, well, two, two spots are up for grabs. We, we're, we're still going to be in it as, th- as things stand, but uh, it'll be worse than this year if we're in it again. We'll get really found out. Yeah, um, yeah, 100%. I, I also did see that if Neil Lennon is still in charge, that he wants to rebuild in January. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, but it'd be interesting if, if he is still in charge. But what areas do you think in the Celtic team may need uh, strengthening? Well, they start. Uh, goalkeeper, defence, yep. get some wingers in. A bit more striker there. Um, obviously, I'd love being getting some goals again. But um, beneath him, we've got no real firepower. He looked all right at the start, but... Um, quiet since like his first couple of games yeah I think Edward's going to be wanting to stick out that club mate like he I'll be you know what I'm going to make this claim I'll be surprised if he's there by the end of January I'll I'll be genuinely surprised yeah I I think I'll be genuinely surprised if he's there by the end of January man like 
he has got big ambitions, right? And he does not want to be part of a Celtic team that's going to be trailing by trailing Rangers by a potential 12, 15 points. Yeah, I'm not saying that's a guarantee, but in the way things are going right now, mate, that's very likely that could actually happen, you know? Yeah. Um, but for a few weeks, I thought that attitude stunk and it was evident the way he was playing, but I think he's like now playing to get a move away from Celtic. Yeah. He, like, there's only so much he can do, but he's not been he's not been up to his usual standard this year, mate, at all. You know? And uh, mate, it just shows you big James Tavenier, fifteen goals he scored this season, mate. Fifteen goals, right? That's more than your boy Edward. <laughs> yeah. Obviously I'll count it'll be nine of them are penalties, but um mate, yeah. Still goes a goal, man. <laughs> you know. But you're just speaking about James Tavenier, man, yet again, stepped up against uh, Stanley Liege on uh, Thursday night. Um, but we'll speak about that game, actually. Um, it wasn't a, a stellar Rangers performance in the first half, to say the least, mate. Um, didn't start brightly. Um, obviously, Stanley Liege took the lead. That was a must-win game for them. Uh, so it was. Uh, we cannot, For their first goal, uh, we, Rangers got caught ball-watching. And uh, see down the uh, see down the wide areas, uh, and the like. Standard age were they were pretty lethal, especially with the crossing them. I like that in the first game we played them, um, and as in the second half we managed to like eradicate that, and they didn't get as many clinical balls into the box as they did in the first half, you know. And at that moment, I was like, oh god, man, right, still plenty of time to get back in this. So it it took us a bit of time to really. Uh, get ourselves into the game then we made it one each uh, Connor goes in a bullet of a header free header uh, in the box and uh, then I'm like right okay going in at half time that'll be good then immediately Stanley had responded um, yet again a cross into the box Balogun failed to uh, clear it and uh, the Stanley Age player tapped it into his own net uh, tap, sorry tapped it into our net to make it 2-1 and by the way, the boy <laughs> really went for it, man. Banged his, uh, his, uh, le- his uh, sorry, his, his thigh, sorry, his thigh off uh, the post. Looked a slow one, so it, did, so it did, but it was worth it. <laughs> yeah, and then, obviously, shock at half-time. Um, Rangers good penalty. It was handball of team one's not given, but uh, the ways have was extended that out, not an actual position. So, yeah, good penalty. How do you think he's with the done if he's hasn't got that good into the half and he's been behind? Um, I still think we, I still think we would have went through, mate. Um, like Rangers are always good at responding, in a second half, uh, after a team talk from Gerard, if we've not played well in the first, like I was. Always confident we'll go through, even if we got a point or if we had won the game. And second half showed that um, where obviously Scott Arfield scored a terrific goal, a lovely cut back from Ryan Kent. The build up play uh, between Kamara and uh, Barisic was superb. Um, yeah, I was always confident we'll, we'll go through. Uh, and that game was going on three, three goals on in like five or six, but Bodan had a terrific game, mate. He made some countless saves in the second half, man. Especially, especially one with uh, Roof, when Roof was uh, what it was a one-on-one situation, clear on goal, uh, and Roof probably should have done better, but uh, Bodan saved it. 
you know, and he see Bodan, like he, he, I think he really wanted to make a statement after beating goals for Ruth's wonder strike <laughs> over in the, uh, uh, what was it when we played them at their bit, we beat them 2-0. We were scored from the halfway line, you know, so I think he really wanted to make a statement. And even though um, we scored three goals, uh, he still had a great game. Because he kept it for, uh, he kept it in three. <laughs> yeah, he did, yeah. Um, few impressive saves, a couple of free kicks that looked like they were going in and he was a uh, hand to save, yeah. Yeah, 100%, man. And yeah, like Scotty Arfield, mate, what more can be said about the man? I know. Saturday night and you like the way he moves. <laughs> Scotty Arfield, <laughs> that's it, mate. Oh, like, he sees his interview after the game, man. I absolutely loved it, mate. I thought it was something else. Like, you can see how much Rangers means to that guy, man. Like, the passion that he was showing, the enthusiasm, mate. Like, the guy just loves playing for Rangers. And what a European campaign he's had and what a season he's had. Like, he is unbelievable man like he's been my favourite player this year like I was saying this at the start of the year Scotty Arfield so underrated and now he's finally getting his uh, the, the credit that he deserves yeah I definitely think he was under the radar for a bit um, and that's Hamilton 1-0 up against Kilmarnock a Ross Callaghan penalty Oofed. big deal with Hamilton can win that one especially um, with been awarded a 3-0 win against St Mirren. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I don't think Hamilton have got a manager right now, have they? Aye, nice away, yeah. No, sorry. No, I had a brain fart. I'm hitting a lovey. <laughs> I'm hitting a lovey. Um, aye, uh, that's right. Gary Holt left the other week. I know Brian Rice is still there. Um, I lovey, uh, obviously, uh, do not have a manager right now. They've got uh, David Martindale in caretaker charge. Um, I think they won at the weekend, actually. If my memory serves me correct, oh, they won four 0 I'm sure in the league. I need to double check it. Um, but yeah, he's meant to be the front runner. So yeah, that will be interesting to see if he can get it. But what's the Levy score right now? It's one 0 one 0 Levy. Did update that? Yeah, that It was the same time that um, we get this right. Same time that Hibernian went one 0 up over Motherwell. Yeah. So see if he gets up on the day, mate. Good chance he will get it, you know, but uh, it was interesting the reason Gary Holt said he was res- uh, resigning. Um, he wasn't, like, happy with the way things were going. I think he's kind of seen the writing in the wall and he was like, right, I don't think I'm getting the best out of this uh, squad, so I think it's time for me to go. And he was like, I've I've took uh, Livy as far as I can. And fair play to him, he'd done some job, done a terrific job, so... I can see him getting a, like, maybe another job in the, the Premiership because he worked wonders there, so he did. He beat both the old firm, you know, and and he took a team like Livy who were expected to get relegated in their first season back in the Premiership and he got them flying, getting points against the old firm and being a real tough team to beat in their grounds, you know. So, yeah, I don't think he's done his chances of getting a job in the Premiership uh, any harm yeah and while you were speaking what they went to and I want Marvin Bartley oh I, I think uh, David Martindale is going to be getting that gig very soon so um, but yeah just going back to Arfield man like he is like such a like brilliant player his work ethic is off the charts like 
he's such a great box to box midfielder. He never stops running for a guy at thirty one years old, man. Like he's so key to our team. And you see, see, I was watching a a clip uh, earlier on actually before we started recording, and it was in the build up to the I uh, Arfield's goal against Standard Liège, and you can hear Tavernier screaming. Like telling the players to get forward, get forward, and then when Ryan kind of uh, had the ball, and then he just hears Scotty Arfield screaming at the top of his lungs, cross, cross, cross. Kent crosses the ball in, boom, Arfield slots it away, and you when you see when you just look at this Rangers team right now, they're just so determined, and they're the you think there's a real togetherness in the squad right now, and and Tavernier, I've said it plenty, plenty of times, man. This guy is a Rangers captain now, man. Like he is grown into that role so, so well. And he's leading by example. And he's a guy that you can look up to, you know. And yeah, he has came through a lot. And remember, I wrote a wee piece um, for Keir Murray, uh, for uh, a newly during the week, uh, Keir Murray from the BBC, wrote a wee piece on James Tavernier and the trials and tribulations that he went through. Uh, to get to this point where he's getting the just rewards for how good he is and the the stuff he overcame, you know, and he's definitely silence silencing uh, a lot of criti- cri- uh, critics. Sorry, uh, me included as well from last season, and a lot of people, especially like Chris Sutton, who was very vocal on criticizing James Tavernier, calling him a serial loser. And uh, I don't think I don't think Chris Sutton's slagging off James Tavernier much nowadays, is he? <laughs> no, he won't be. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, it was. I'm absolutely delighted, man, that we've uh, managed to qualify for the last 32. And yeah, by the way, do you know we can get Real Madrid if they go out? Uh, yeah, um, I think it's half the teams that drop down from the Champions League, half of them will be seeded for the next round and the other half won't. So it'll be interesting to see, obviously, if Rangers can win the group and then. In the event they do that Real Madrid would not be seeded for the next round in the Europa League. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Like, give me Real Madrid. Like, and just I hope I'm back at Ibrox for that, mate. Like, that would be something. I, that I, that's a proper, proper top, top team, biggest club in the world, in my opinion. Real Madrid, um, to get them in the Europa League, oh, that would be something, man. And and obviously we've heard the news that a vaccine has been approved by the British government, um, the first uh, country in the world to approve a vaccine. Um, what's your thoughts on it? It's got a, it's been, what was it, it's got a 95% chance of it working. That's what the scientists have said. Yeah, um, obviously there's a few different going rounds, um, varying levels of effectiveness, um, but most of them seem to be ranging from 90 to 95%, so it definitely does provide a, Younger, healthier folk, um, 
with health problems that they won't be getting vaccinated so soon die but uh, will still die but in the short term it will still be about um the cases start going down um hospitalizations start going down and then as you go through the age groups um those that will be more at risk um should hopefully just take it milder um and then can maybe you know get some form of normality back yeah i know still yeah i know what you mean um but did you also see as well, see if the vaccine actually has an effect or and it doesn't work? Do you know the company that's actually made it? They won't like be in any trouble. You can't sue them at all. So the people yeah, that, that would be in bother, well, not in bother, but, but that will be held accountable would be the, the British government. So yeah, I've seen that. that's quite a wee red flag, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but put it this way, I don't think I'll be taking it. If I'm being honest, but I, I read something as well that they're actually thinking about putting, like, restrictions on travel if you do not take the vaccine. Like, that's not right. You should never force someone to take something that they don't want to, like a vaccine, you know? Like, it's up to the individual. They should not force that upon folk to take it. No, definitely not. You're going down, like, human rights violations. And in this, I think it was Matt Hancock was on Good Morning Britain. Said something about all this talk of so-called COVID vaccine passports that you'll need to, to have had the vaccine to travel, go to football games, go to pubs, go to concerts. Like he rubbish claims like that because like if you went down that route, then that's also like serious human rights violations because it's like can't live and these liberties, freedoms are basic human rights. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's just like not right whatsoever, you know. Um, but yeah, like fingers crossed, uh, we'll be back at football soon. But I seen Boris was saying, um, normal life should return by the summer. Uh, like obviously coronavirus is still very unpredictable. I believe it when I see it. Uh, I I I would like to be hopeful. Um, but we just need to see how it plays out because I also seen that he's not even like ruling out a third lockdown <laughs> no uh, but yeah as you say is, um, you're not getting your hopes up hopefully I think it's because they've made so many like old statements like it'll be like 12, the initial thing we need to lock down to protect the NHS for three weeks um, we can send the virus pack in 12 weeks and then obviously that was stuff of fantasies. Um, and then it was like, we hope to have some once a normal life by Christmas and that didn't happen either. So you kind of think, yeah, okay, but still there's reason for hope there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I just want to get back on the topic of uh, Celtic, Chris. Um, there's another thing I want to bring up. Um, I think it was the day after the county defeat. Um, Lennon had a Zoom call with Dermot Desmond and Peter Lawwell and he was giving reassurances as we were saying earlier that he won't be getting sacked and the, the board back him. Um, that obviously that outraged Celtic fans even more so. Um, but on the topic of the board backing Lennon going forward, what do you think it would take 
for Lennon to get the boot. Like, CEQ's dropped points this weekend to St. Johnson uh, at McDermott Park. I think it's at McDermott Park, isn't it? Um, is it not Parkhead? Because there's a oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, we're playing... Aye, because we, um, we're playing uh, County at 12, so uh, yeah, it's at Parkhead, so... If you drop points, what do you think? Do you think you might be given a couple more games? Or do you think the, the board will be like, no, this can't go on? Well, my, my impression is that um, we fall any further behind in the league like, before the Old Firm showdown on 2nd of January, then that'll be it. Or at least that was what I was led to believe when I read about the outcome of the, the meeting last Monday. Yeah. So, yeah, the pressure's on. It really is. And, you know, obviously, you know I've been quite humble during this process. <laughs> um, I've not been trying to get overly excited, um, but at times it's hard not to. Um, but if Neil Lennon stays in charge, mate, like, I'm going to say this now, if Lennon stays in charge, I think we're going to win this league. I firmly believe it. If Lennon stays in charge, we're going to win this league. But, if Lennon was to go right, I know we've said it a million times, mate. Like, who's really going to touch it? Like, let's be honest, right? See, when you're seeing Martin O'Neill and Gon Strachan, the front runners for the job in 2020, <laughs> like, does that not worry you? Yeah, well, I remember when we first hired Lennon back, it did feel like a backward step at the time. Um, Short term, it didn't feel like that. Um, long term it has but um, yeah I definitely feel like even though I'd only see like if either one of the two took the job that it would only be till the summer and then you hit the refresh button all together new manager new players all that come the summer after the end of the season but uh, yeah it doesn't still maybe much hope of turning this league around yeah because the way we're playing right now mate is we're just flying like genuinely uh, sorry about that. Um, I yeah, we're absolutely flying right now, and like, I just don't see anyone stopping us. Like, even though, like, one thing what's the, the sign of champions, mate, is where you don't you where you don't play all that well, but you still win, right? That's a perfect example in first night against Standard Liege. It wasn't as like we were up to our usual standards, right? But we still managed to win and get through the last thirty two, and. Like th- this year, we're just completely different, and I, I think that's a-, a testament to the the coaching staff at Rangers, and the work in progress that we've seen under Steven Gerrard, and the it's crazy how much Gerrard has transformed Rangers for the better, you know. And I said from the start when we appointed Gerrard, like, right, there's going to be some bumps along the way. We need to give the guy time. We need to give him patience. We need to have patience with him. And we'll see the rewards come through. And there was times, like, over the last couple of seasons where Rangers fans were saying, no, Gerrard's no got it. We need to get rid of him. We need to get rid of him. I thought that was just lunacy. I've never once said Gerrard should go at any point. I've I've always been pro-Gerrard. I've always backed him. And I think probably the lowest point in Gerrard's Rangers tenure was when we got beat off Hamilton 1-0 at Ibrox, and I remember on uh, Twitter, Rangers fans were lambasting him left, right and centre, saying he should go this and that. I thought it was complete utter garbage, if I'm being honest. And obviously, I've been proven right. 
Um, but I, I remember I put a tweet out and I was like, here, listen, Gerard deserves at least one more season right off. Of course, things haven't went well. Uh, losing to Hamlin, this is obviously last season. Things haven't went well. We're kind of trailing behind in the league. Just, like He deserves one more season. He really does. And look what's happened. Gerard knew this season was big, right? We need to be, like, obviously, Celtic go on and win 10 in a row. And Gerard would not want that in his CV, where he's allowed Celtic to go on and win 10 in a row. Uh, like that's just not in his DNA. He was not. He was determined not. He's determined not to let that happen. And the like, we've seen the, the this Rangers team has learned from the mistakes, and that's clear as day. Like over the last couple of years, a couple of years or so, this team has made some real errors, and there's been some real lack of experience in the team. And the the, the team's grown hundred percent, and the experience that they've they've shown, and the the willingness to great like put the grind in and get results and come back in the like for example against uh Standard Liege where we went down twice, conceded uh two goals. It was one nil obviously, then it was two one and then right away boom we got back into the game, you know, and it's like we we don't we're not like Celtic where we feel sorry for ourselves, you know. Like we we just know how to like get back in a game put the grind in and just give it our all. Yeah, I think that's a big difference between um, Celtic Rangers at the moment. Rangers know how to respond to adversity and Celtic just kind of stand looking about lost, not knowing what to do. Yeah, no, exactly, mate. Like, like I'm just like, obviously I don't like rubbing it in too much because you're one of those Celtic fans uh, that don't deserve that and you're a very reasonable Celtic fan, you know, but, um, I was uh, I found it quite interesting what Joe Gale said in Scott Score chat, and I can just tell, man, he was oh, it, it really pained him for it to say it, and he was like, uh, he compared this Rangers team to Celtic's Brendan Rodgers in Rodgers' first season at the Celtic. Yeah, it's going that way in terms of um, the way Rangers have dominating this league and no real. Challengers, shall I say? Yeah, I know, and um, it's it's just that this team is like completely booming with confidence right now. And as I said, we're not like getting too cocky or like too ahead of ourselves, if you know what I'm saying. Um, and I just want to actually like touch on this as well. Like, I I, I probably said this before in the pod, uh, probably last week, right? But when you see when you just look. The, the depth in our squad I, I don't think I've any I've seen anything like this in years mate like the the quality we've got like and this is a real testament to the board for actually backing Gerard and knowing that if we want to go on and win the league we need to invest in the squad and bring in some top quality players and Gerard obviously requested that and the board were like okay we'll give you this money you need to back it up and we need to see some rewards from it and we're seeing that right now obviously we're like last 32 still in the league cup still got the Scottish cup as well 11 points clear in the league um, like things are on the up and up and we've got St Mirren uh, in the next round of the league cup which we'll get past very confident about that Um, 
And I know Graham will be... I don't know, I think Graham's enthusiasm will kill him. Um, seeing Graham is saying, oh, we could do this if we set up right and all that. Like, Graham's son, like, no. <laughs> you know, but remember what I said last week in the podcast? I think Rangers could go unbeaten this year yeah, in the league. Hold it at this stage, but um, it's hard not to see why there's that kind of excitement, buzz and chatter about potentially happening. Could it be match um, Brendan Rodgers' first season in Invincible Treble, do you think? If we go unbeaten in the league, right, just purely based on the, the Invincible thing, I would say it would top Brendan Rodgers' one. Because when you think about it, right, Rodgers went unbeaten that year, right? Take nothing away from him, right? But it was up against a Rangers team who have just been promoted from the championship. And we spent... Well, do you know how much money we spent in the summer? We spent about £2 million. Pounds, and that was on bloody Joe Gardner. And the rest were all free agents and loanies. You know, and this that team that got promoted were, of course, they were never going to make a title challenge. Like, I knew that was not going to be the case. Like, I think everyone with a brain knew that Rangers were not going to be challenging for the title that year, considering how the board didn't back Warburton. You know, so I would say it would top it, just purely based on the the league. What What do you think? Like, purely based on, like, just the league. Not the Cups or anything, just the league. Because I, I think we can do a treble. Mm, who knows? Who knows? I'm not saying we're going to. But who knows? You know, but, like, even if we were to do, like, a unbeaten treble, I would say it would definitely top uh, Rogers one. What do you think? I don't really think too much about it until I put it to you, but um, I think I can remember um, going to Parkhead for... Brendan Rodgers announcement and unveiling and I was pretty confident then I didn't put money on it but um, I think because he didn't get really decent odds on it um, for a good payout um, I basically knew in 12 months on we were going to be standing there having won a treble I didn't think it would be as good as an invincible treble but um, another thing about it um, this meant to obviously be the season that Celtic go for 10 in a row what a way for Rangers to counter that if they got even just an invincible league or one step further than an invincible 10 in a row. Like, this was meant to be about your 10 in a row this year, what we've done. Yeah, exactly, mate. Like, of all the seasons to bottle it, <laughs> so it has to be this one, you know. And I think this might be Scott Brown's last year anyway, right? And if Rangers go on to do a domestic treble and go on beating... Like, what a way for Brown to go out. <laughs> what a way to end your Celtic career. <laughs> you know, and that I, honestly, like, do you think that will really haunt him for the rest of his days, like, knowing that he couldn't get 10? Because I think he's won, like, 19 domestic trophies, right? And if Celtic don't, if he can't get that, his hands on at least the 20th trophy, which, which, Ideally for him would be the lead title to be 10. He'll be kicking himself. Even though he has had a good career, but that will haunt him. Yeah, if it, if it was the captain, the captain, the Celtic, the one ten, I'd really be right up there with Billy McNeil amongst like, our greatest captains. So, um, dare I say it really tarnishes legacy? Absolutely not. But, um, yeah, it'll definitely be a sore one for him to take. Mm-hmm. No, also I'm not saying it will t- taint his legacy at all. I'm just meaning like I think it will haunt him like personally, 
Like not saying Celtic fans will be like saying, Oh, it's Brown's fault but I'm talking about him personally, that will still haunt him. Like, you know the way um, when Gerard slipped against Chelsea? Gerard came out and said that still haunts him to this day. You know, that's what I'm comparing it to. Like, he'll be like, I just had one season left in me and I couldn't get my hands on that league title and make it 10. And I'm going out in a whimper where Rangers potentially went, well, Rangers went out potentially doing a, a domestic treble going unbeaten, you know. <laughs> Might be getting too ahead of myself here, but like, just the way we're playing right now, mate, I just can't see anyone stopping us. And when you do come Ibrox in uh, January the 2nd, that could be a real game changer. Like, see if we go on throughout the rest of December winning every single game, right? And just say you drop points here and there, then it comes to Ibrox and me beat you. That's a real statement. Two old firm games uh, in a row where we've won. Like, I think that's where Celtic fans... Well, I know some Celtic fans are coming out publicly already saying, right, league title's done. But if we do that uh, against Hughes on January 2nd, that'll be huge. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, this stage, we've still got the couple games in hand. But, um, yeah, as you say, um, if Rangers keep the form up, um, then even if we keep up our end of the bargain and it's all still to play for as it stands come January if it ends up another Rangers win then yeah you really have to start thinking about yeah that's not meant to be for us yeah absolutely um, because like I don't, it's, it's a real tough situation for Celtic to be in right now and see remember when Celtic fans came out and they were all buzzing about the, the signings that you made in the summer say what was it I heard a, a Celtic fan phone into Super Scoreboard and he was like this is the best uh, summer window we've had in years. Yeah. Like, would you say any signings that Lennon's made in the summer have actually turned out to be good? No. I think Laxell has been a complete flop. Like, the only thing I can say that he's got about him is he's got a bit of pace. That That's it. Yeah, he's good Yeah, he, he's got a bit of pace. He's... As you, like, you you said that he's pretty good going forward. I don't see that, if I'm being honest. Um, I don't think he really, like, is all that effective defensively. Um, I think he's pretty weak as a defender, you know. Uh, if I'm being honest, mate, I, would, I would actually rather play Greg Taylor than Laxell. Yeah, he's a bit incomplete. Yeah. And because obviously there's a reason why Ethan Lan loaned him out, you know. And there's a reason, no disrespect, that no other clubs like in the, the, the EPL are like that were looking at him, you know. And it, it, I don't know, it seemed like a... Would I be wrong in saying, or would I be going about OTT saying it was a bit of a panic buy from Celtic, considering you signed them, I think, on deadline day? Yeah, and obviously there was a lot of people fans and officials and that they didn't really weren't really Greg Taylor fans so I think it was a bit of a panic um move that we needed a bit of depth behind them. Um but yeah maybe it's time to start thinking about giving Taylor a few more games. Yeah. But in the contrast though, like when you look at like Rangers mate, like there's we've got like quality in every area of uh our department, right? So in January we don't need to get anyone else in. And did you see what 
Jack Wilshire, uh, Jack Wilshire uh, said the other day. I've seen he's been linked for years. I've not seen anything he said. Um, right, so Jack Wilshire done an interview and he got asked about the links to Rangers and he said Rangers isn't his first choice and the only way that he would really contemplate going to Rangers is because of Steven Gerrard. And when I seen that, I was just like, right, I can understand that he's being honest, right? You know, he's try- he's being honest, but... Like... See the way Jack Wilshire's career's panned out. He needs us more than we need him, you know. So, if if I were him, mate, I wouldn't I wouldn't have made those comments. I get that he's trying to be honest, but I wouldn't have made those comments and delivered it the way he did, you know, because that turned off a lot of Rangers fans, and I imagine that probably turned off Gerard. And in the grand scheme of things, we don't need Jack Wilshire. We don't, like. For one, right, he's going to he's going to want a big wage, right. Two, he's a liability because he is injury prone. So why do we need to take a risk on a player that we don't need, and pay him a ridiculous amount of wages? What like, I don't think it's worth it. It's really not, you know. And as I said, we don't need to make any more signings at all. But I will say though, it will. It won't surprise me, sorry. It won't surprise me if Marielos is away in January. I don't know. Like, it, would, it would not surprise me. No. Um, obviously, you have a backup. Roof's looked a pretty good signing, so... Yeah, Roof, Roof looks like a top, top player, man. Like, he really is. Like, it, like it, anytime he's played, he's played well. Even if he hasn't scored, his movement, link-up play... You can see why this guy was a successful Leeds United, you know. So, yeah. But if if he goes, Morelos won't be a big loss. And Morelos, as of late, he's not been his usual self. He was, he had a quiet one against Standard Liège. Uh, so he did. And Morelos usually turns up for European games. I can always tell the, the big man's always buzzing uh, on European uh, games. Uh, no, sorry, for European games. Like when he posts on uh, his social media on his Instagram, like photos of him and videos of him scoring and all that, like, and when he got subbed off, he looked raging, and I like that though. He, he, I think it does show that he cares, and no player should be happy about getting subbed off. And I think Marielos is just, I don't think he's annoyed that he's getting subbed off. I think he's annoyed at himself for not performing the the way that he knows he can. Yeah, definitely. Um, just says if I players annoyed they're getting subbed off then obviously they know there's a reason they've been subbed off so you do like to see that and you hope they bounce back better from it yeah 100% man but in your opinion who's really stood out for you this year in the Rangers squad um, well <laughs> where, where did I start obviously um, two top goalkeepers um, John McLaughlin really good spell in Al McGregor's absence he's came back and Looked well, 38, I believe McGregor. Yeah, you wouldn't think of it looking at him the way he's playing, still playing at a elite level for his age. Um, Tavernier, obviously. Um, Ryan Ken, um, I don't think he's obviously still really good. He's not quite where he was
can definitely or he's they can be the best player in the country. Yeah, so I just just uh, like interject here quickly. It's like see uh, Ryan Kent. Um, he had a good game against uh, Stanley Edge, right? Obviously assisted um, Scotty Arfield for the winner. But Ryan Kent's role was like he's. I think his role uh, as a winger is really enhanced. Where he's doing a lot more work now. Where see before he would just get the ball and try to take on defenders, and he'd be more involved in the attacking th- uh, side of things. But now he's tracking back a lot more. His work rate is, is phenomenal. So it's like he's like he's so, so effective down that left hand side, even like defensively, you know. And him and Barisic have a really really great partnership. It's almost like the partnership with. Tavernier and Daniel Kandias from the 2018-2019 season but um, continue Chris um, Yeah obviously I don't get to see Rangers week in week out the way you do so obviously I won't notice those aspects again I know the big man was still contributing but yeah mentioning Barisic um, Stephen Davis he definitely deserves an honorary mention as well for his part Yeah 100% even Glenn Kamara as well mate Kamara, yeah. Um, obviously, talked about him at length earlier. Um, under the radar for several years, but this season really stepped up. Scott Arfield. Yeah, hundred percent. And like I know we're touching on Scott, Scott Arfield earlier on, but um, Arfield was out of the team for a bit last year, right? And he was at, at points, he was seen as a fringe player. Mental to think now, right? But it just shows you, like. He's a role model for all those uh, young kids out there. Like, if things aren't going your way, don't feel sorry for yourself. Put the work in and try and get back in the team, you know, and anything's possible. And look at Scotty Arfield right now. He's he's in the team week in, week out. Gerard got asked about him after the game and he got asked, is uh, Scotty Arfield going to be in the team week in, week out? And he was like, absolutely, like 100%. Like, Scotty Arfield will be in the team. He's, he's going nowhere, he's a mainstay, you know, and he did say though, like, obviously we need to drop him here and there to protect him, which is wise, you know, like, he can't play a, a week a, every single week, you know, you need to look after him, and he's a big game player, mate, he turns up for the big, big games, and see when you're playing teams like, for example, no disrespect, like your St Mirrens or uh, even your Ross Counties or whatever, you can drop him for them, but see, but see when it comes to the old firm games, your games against the Aberdeens, the Hibs, European Knights, Scotty Arfield should be the first name in that team sheet. Yeah, 100%. Um, just to round off um, the Rangers players I'm giving credits to, um, obviously you said Morelos um, won't be a huge loss if he goes. Um, so, striker-wise, I'll give it to um, Margaret. Yeah. And, like... Even if Kamar Roof was, was to get injured, right? You say Morelos was to go and Kamar Roof was to get injured. We've got uh, Etten and yeah. uh, we've got Jermaine Defoe. And Jermaine Defoe scored against uh, Falkirk last week. See when this guy gets given a chance, mate, right? Obviously, he can't play him week in, week out because of his age, right? And I remember we done that last year when Morelos got hurt. And I think Defoe got hurt. Uh, and he was out for like two or three months or so. So, but when he is given a chance, mate, you see how quality he is, man. Like, he just makes everything look so, so easy. His touch, his finishing. Like, he could finish uh, 
<laughs> he can finish with his eyes closed. <laughs> like, he's that good, you know? Yeah, you definitely can write him off as a English guy that was passing, had to come to Scotland to make his wages the last couple of years of his career. Um, obviously, a lot of English players will come up here think the season. The transition doesn't work out so well for them, but, um, yeah, you can definitely still play at the levels that you expect him to up here. Yeah, and he's another one, mate, that's a model pro. Like, you hear all the Rangers players saying it, like, Jermaine Defoe does not slack at all, man. Like, he's, like, the fittest guy there, like, at his age. His diet's so right. His work ethic's tremendous. And he's just that all-round nice, humble guy. That's what the Rangers players say. Like, you would think the career that he's had when he came up to Ibrox, that we'd have a bit of an ego about him. You would think he's better than everybody. And he's not at all. He's still training as hard as he did 15 years ago. And he puts the work in. And yeah, and he, and I heard, uh, I think it was um, Lafferty. No, was it Lafferty? Yeah, Lafferty was saying that Jermaine Defoe takes a lot of time with the youngsters, like young strikers, and helps them out and like coaches them. And I see a role for Defoe when he retires as a striking coach at Rangers. And there's no better guy to be a striking coach than Jermaine Defoe. <laughs> No, I think he's walking into a job there. Very well into it. Yeah, but for me, and I think we would have got Jermaine Defoe if Steven Gerrard wasn't there. Probably not. Um, I think uh, the reason we got Defoe is because Gerrard and Defoe have such a good uh, friendship. And yeah, and Gerrard, uh, Gerrard obviously seen Defoe as a great influence on the Rangers squad, you know. But yeah, Jermaine Defoe, I think, maybe after this year, who knows, at his age, like, he's fit as anything, uh, he might retire, but you can't put anything past the big man. <laughs> no, um, obviously, but if he gets a weak title, then I think that might be a tournament to happy call it day there, getting that, but um, as you say, who knows? Yeah, absolutely, mate, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to think, right, I'm not saying this is, like, trying to be, like, uh, I don't know, like, in a dick way. But when's the last time we done a podcast for Celtic 1? Um, when we beat Aberdeen, I think. Oh, yeah, that's the, right, when he's won the the semi-final from last year. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a bit of a response game because that was, like, the start of a bad run, really. Then, um, yeah, but it was like, that's how his bounce back when we played in that game and just... Just not. Do you think Celtic's trouble started when he's got packed out of Champions League? Yeah, I think that kind of maybe started to set the tone a bit for the season. Um, Trying to get my head around it. Um, Kelly was before with the 1 1 game with Kelly where we looked really bad. And yeah, that, I'm uh, sure that was before, yeah. Um, yeah, that would have been before. Um, so in the league, I'd say that was sorry because we breezed it the first week against Hamilton and we thought, well, we're go- that's going to be a cakewalk. But next week, I think the cracks began to show and then obviously a bit, bit of parallel in the Champions League, having a team like KR and beating them what, 6-1 or whatever it was and then shocked to the system when Ferenc Barros put us out. So... Never thought of that, now, but now you've put it to me. Yeah, I think that kind of set the tone for it, and then we struggled our way through each round of the Europa League, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. 
I know it's um, obviously dire times for Celtic right now, but like going back to what I was saying earlier on, mate, like it just shows you like you've got the choice, like, like you've got the potential choice of Gordon Strachan and Martin O'Neill to take over at Celtic Park, right? And Eddie Howe, like if I'm being honest, is not going to touch it because it's it's like a big risk for someone for someone like Eddie Howe to go into the Celtic job at this stage in the season where Rangers are flying ahead in the league and the pressure's on the next manager if Lennon was to go to come in and deliver 10 that's it no ifs buts about it like no excuses they need to deliver 10 and if for example hypothetically speaking Eddie Howe was to go in and go in at that job right and fail to deliver 10 that's going to put a a real damper on his reputation you know, like, if he wasn't to get 10, he was to get the sack, then that will hinder his chances at potentially getting a job in the EPL. And he doesn't need the Celtic job. Eddie Howe is good enough to get a job in the Premier League. And it's too much a risk for him. It, I, I, like, it's not worth it, you know. That's why if Celtic were to get rid of Lennon, who can they realistically get in at this stage of the season? I know, I think you have to start thinking about these kind of names that are being linked with. Um then obviously, like, if Eddie Howe was to take it, um, obviously, big job next summer if Rangers did stop the ten, um, to get back on track and think the confidence in him would be damaged if they failed to turn the league round and deliver the ten. So, yeah. Yeah, what kind of manager do you think Celtic are looking for right now? Because obviously, <laughs> we don't think Lennon's it at all, right? Like, we all know Lennon will get the sack, <laughs> more than likely, you know. But what kind of Celtic manager is the club looking for? Like, what's what are they needing? Well, if you look at... Obviously, I don't think either of them are the right answer, but um, somebody that knows what it's all about, um, I think that's kind of how they're looking to Neil and Strachan. Yeah, I know what you're meaning, but... See O'Neill and Strachan, they're dinosaurs of the game now, mate. They're like well past their best. Like Strachan was well past his best in two thousand nine, you know, and uh, Martin O'Neill hasn't done anything of uh, significance since his time at Aston Villa, I think. Oh, sorry, I'll tell you, since his time at Republic Island. Then after that, I think he went to Forest, and it didn't work out well there at all. He got the sack. Um, like they're dinosaurs of the game, and they're, they're like for example, Martin O'Neill's out the loop with Scottish football, you know. And uh, I think I don't know. I think these players need someone who has the balance of what's it like being a great motivator and a great coach, a new modern coach. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, they definitely need that. Um, yeah, that's why I think Eddie Howe is perfect for that, but Eddie Howe won't touch the job. <laughs> no, it's a case of we need Eddie more than he needs us, I think. Yeah. So, it's like that's the thing, though. I genuinely don't have a clue who would take it. Um, you said Allardyce a few weeks ago. I don't, it won't happen. <laughs> well, do you, think, um, do you think it won't happen because Allardyce wouldn't want to take it, or do you think it won't happen because... Celtic wouldn't want to touch him. Even if it was like 
we wanted him. I don't think he would want us. Yeah, and let's be honest, like, Allardyce doesn't have a clue about Scottish football, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I feel like someone like Eddie Howe will be keeping tabs on it, and he's obviously, he's actively trying to get back in the game, you know, and I think it, it'll... it'll it won't take him long to get up to speed hypothetically if he was to get the job or if he was to, if he well, if he wants it, <laughs> you know. Celtic would bite their hand off for Eddie Howe, you know. But Aldi, so, nah, he's too, he's too out of the loop with Scottish football and I don't think he's bothered about getting back into football anytime soon, you know. I don't know what age he is, but I think he's like... 70, he's I think. Like, he's, he's pushing it, yeah. Yeah, so. he's pushing 70, aye. Yeah, he nah, he won't touch it at all. Um, John Kennedy, by the way, um, it would not surprise me, right, if Celtic got rid of Lennon and Kennedy got it for the rest of the season. Kennedy needs to go as much as Lennon, so it's like, why would you do that? Because um, apparently Kennedy and the coaching staff I've been promised no what happens no matter what happens to Neil Lennon, their jobs are safe. Yeah. So and like John Kennedy though, like imagine that, like you get rid of, get rid of Neil Lennon, as bad as Neil Lennon is, what's the difference? Like what what's the difference between Neil Lennon and John Kennedy? Like the Celtic players are still seeing John Kennedy there every day, right? And he's playing a big part in Neil Lennon's tactics and the team selection, right? So there's no much of a difference at all, you know. So nothing really will change unless Lennon was to go and you get rid of that full backroom team. Yeah. But is it is it full time in the, the games? Yeah, well, actually a good 20, 25 minutes past and finishing. I know. <laughs> I was just uh, busy chatting away there, so we will. Yeah, we missed, we will. Two caught up in the chat. Um, Hibernian got a couple of late goals. Oh, right. Let's see her. Yeah. 3-0 it finished to the high bees. Oofed. Let's see how the, the rest Christian, of them. Let's see the goal scorer, sorry. Yeah, it was uh, Christian Dodge and McGinn. Uh-huh. Big Christian Dodge. He's a good striker, by the way. Dodge is a top striker. I rate him a lot. Um, other results um, best Alan Lambo impression here Hamilton Academical 1 Kilmarnock 0 Livingston 2 Dundee United 0 Motherwell 0 Hibernian 3 St Mirren 1 Aberdeen 1 Aberdeen dropping points and obviously they went out last week to St Mirren uh, in the League Cup my god man like see that Joe Lewis uh, blunder towards the end of the game which secured St Mirren's uh, win to go through the next round my god man like that was one of the worst goalkeeping mistakes I've seen this season man it was a shocker and it's very unlike Joe Lewis a, a keeper of his calibre very surprising yeah I haven't seen myself I have heard about it but yeah um, out of character um, for Joe Lewis uh, Veteran of the Scottish game and that, so but today's result, yeah, I suppose St Man will take that way, getting the Hamilton game awarded against them and then Hamilton getting big three points against 
early today, so big point against a team like Aberdeen for St Marin. Oh, 100%, man. Oh, 110%. And uh, I see the, the Aberdeen fans are just sick to death of uh, <laughs> Derek McInnes and they're wanting a change. So they are, but that's not going to happen, boys. Aberdeen fans, it's not going to happen. Um, Derek McInnes will not be going anywhere. The only way Derek McInnes will be going is, for one, on his own accord, and two, if Aberdeen went on a ridiculous, shocking run, which probably won't happen because Aberdeen... Are they are a very confident side and they will be able to at least finish in the top four this year. Yeah, I've come to play fourth just now. I'm just looking at the table. Hamilton's recent, well, I say for them, they got worthy of being a win, but um, they're now out of the relegation places. They're 10th. Ross County have dropped into the relegation playoff spot, albeit with a game in hand. Oh. Yeah. Mirren, to the bottom. St. Mirren, St. Mirren sit bottom then? You say? Did you say St. Mirren are bottom of the table? Yeah, bottom of the table. have got a game in hand as well, um, but only two points behind Hamilton. Yeah, and obviously Dundee Wright getting beat. Um, do you see their manager? Uh, is... And their manager and the 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 rest of the the coaching staff is uh, in self isolation right now. Yeah. Interesting yeah. to see the outcome of that. Oh, I know. Like Dundee United, though, they've not exactly started the season greatly. Um, obviously they're. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say they've. I wouldn't say great. I'll take that back. Actually, right. I'll actually take that back. They've actually started pretty decent. Um, right, they're obviously in the top six right now. Um, they're in no real threat of going down, even though Ross County are seven points behind them, and they've got a human hand. Right, let's be honest. Right, it's very unlikely Ross County are going to beat us, um, considering our current form. But <laughs> they beat Celtic last week, but that's Celtic. <laughs> and, uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, done right, you know. The, I think their aim is at least maybe seventh in top six as a bonus. Um, but Mike, Mikey Mellon, uh, I thought at the start, was a a decent appointment. And, and remember the men Dundee United were like me, Malky McKay? Yeah. I don't remember that. Jeez, oh. <laughs> if they appointed him, that would be something. I don't think Malky McKay is working with the SFA anymore, actually. No, he left his role. That's right. Um, I, do you know what he's doing now? Not sure what he left to, or if he's like looking for a job at the moment. If he's been um, no, I don't think he's doing anything. Um, no, he's as far as I'm aware, he's not doing anything. He stepped down from his role uh, last month. So yeah, that was uh, that's an interesting one. Um, but that's I know he's got. It's going to be quite difficult for him, I think, to get back into. Football as a manager due to what happened, uh, a yeah, few years ago with his uh, racist comments. Yeah. Yeah, very difficult. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so Chris, is there anything else you want to touch on before we head off? No, it's been quite quite a lot of discussion points discussed and just brought up in the general flow of the chat. So, yeah, I think got all the way really needy covered absolutely so guys uh, 
it's a pleasure as always. And uh, until next time, guys, take care and we'll see you soon.